0: Mr. Joe Tucker, how are you, mate?
1: Very good. Great to be here. Thanks, Jordan. How are you, mate? I'm loving good. the new beanies. Look at that. Game plans
0: forever. I know. I've just, I've just stocked up on merch. I think I bought 150 of each color and I received the boxes. And I was like, hmm, that seems a lot. And then you commented on my Facebook post. It was like, that's a flipping lot of beanies. And I actually looked at the boxes and I go, yeah, that's a bit too many beanies. So now I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, I just throwing <laughs> them out like frisbees. I'm
1: giving them to everyone. Some, yeah, anyone in Melbourne, you will have a warm head
0: thanks to game <laughs> plans, <planning. laughs> keeping the property investors warm, mate. Um, exactly, mate, it's a, a pleasure to have you on. I think I don't how much we, we probably catch up once a week or maybe once every fortnight or anything like that. So, I always All love time. having a bit of a yarn to you and see what's going on and, and how things are going, but. Um, I guess you know the, the cool thing about us is we kind of got into the market at the same time and have pretty much been on on the same journey uh, in terms of regulations and policies and COVID and all that sort of stuff. And both, I, th- I think we we're, we're both we're both born in '92 and we're both come from a Dutch background, so we're very similar <laughs> in some way,
1: shape, or form. Um Yeah, but, this is the only time you'll see us together in the same room. It'll only ever be a virtual room, never a physical room, because we are the same person. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder if our names are like, if you, what's that, what's that thing where you like, you replace letters, you move letters around and it spells another name? <laughs> <for them? laughs> yeah. Listeners, don't try it. Um Don't try it. But yeah, man, I just wanted to get your sort of, thoughts and philosophy on, on building out a portfolio now that you've heavily transitioned into and, and killing that buyer's agent role, I wonder, you know, how's your own journey sort of built that philosophy and how does it sort of look today?
1: Yeah. Well, this is why, you know, I think every buyer's agent and everyone should be involved in every client should be requesting a game plan strategy plan, right? Like well, the platform that you provide here is because, People don't do the legwork at the beginning, right? Like this is how I kind of talk to my clients. It's it's we need to understand where you are right now, but we also need to understand where you're going to go. And what I love is that the platform that you have, the game plan strategy is building the bridge to be able to get you there. Now it's not going to say crystal clear. It's going to be step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, it's going to be step one. We're going to get crystal clear on that and then once we've done that it might be a little bit different it can't be a static piece of paper where it says you know those 10 steps um but we'll be able to say look we're going to get you a five percent um growth six percent growth minimum uh, and then a four percent yield and that's going to allow you to get into this next step and then when that next step is there, you can factor in that exact property. Great. It's now a 7% growth and a 4.5% yield. That's going to fundamentally shift the, the platform and say what the next best move is. So it tied in nicely with my philosophy for property investing, which I believe that there's four stages. <clears throat> there's foundation, um, accumulation, acceleration and then legacy um the majority of your time well actually you know it's going to be different for everyone but the foundation stage is all about just building yourself up mentally and educationally to be able to then get into the property market and it means preparing everything because if you build a house on terrible foundations it's just not going to do too well The next stage is accumulation and that's where you're starting to accumulate property so we start to build out an asset base of portfolios Um, and the way i like to build out my portfolios and help clients is having future value add potential so we're not buying the end product here like house and land packages or off the plan apartments but it just allows us to either renovate it subdivide develop split the block sell off the land add a property on there or do something that is going to get us to that next level. But we don't need to know how to do that. We don't need to be a property developer. We don't need need to know how to subdivide and split those blocks off there just yet. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think about it? In those, and now now I'm kind of turning the tables, but um,
0: ah, it's good. And uh, look, I really appreciate the the shout out with the the platform and <laughs> the intent. I'll, I'll I'll pay you later, but yeah, I guess that's kind of. Been-
1: I get paid in beanies. I'm getting a I'm getting a box of 150 beanies for that. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> get your doorstep
0: tomorrow. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I, I've I've uh, come across the similar challenges of. You know, you and I both know many people in the space, and a lot of the older generation had an opportunity where they were able to buy a significant amount of properties. Uh, you know, using s- specific tactics or re-leveraging in a in a in a world that was um, much easier to do so. And so, I think the the biggest thing for me when I was building out my portfolio was um, going from reading Steve McKnight's book of 250 properties in three years or whatever it is to going. Yep. I bought one property. I've been sitting that on for two years and I can't borrow anything more. So what am I doing wrong? Uh, And I think that whole mindset shift, uh, mindset shift and understanding that there's a lot more that goes into property than just buy one, refinance, buy another. Um, yeah, whole borrowing capacity thing coming into place and uh, lending regulations changing. Um, it was really hard for me to crack onto that mindset and then, um, you know, articulate that to other people as well. So I think as you're mentioning with the platform, it's not a, we're buying two properties every year for the next 10 years. It's, um, you know, when, when can we actually afford to buy this next property based on savings and <clears throat> capacity to be able to get us to our end goal, even if it takes us 20 years to get there, we want to put a very conservative detailed plan in, in place. And if things work out for the better, we can get there sooner. But, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's just making about informed decisions around, the next purchase and uh, when things change, because as we all know, things can change is is reaccounting for it from there. Yeah,
1: definitely. There needs to be a strategy attached. Previously, unlimited borrowing capacity, crazy high debt to income ratios would allow you to purchase whatever you want. Now, it used to be like, Oh, property is a, a bricks and mortar game. And th- there's a couple of loans thrown in the middle. Now it's completely shipped. Instead of being 80%, 90%, you know, houses and 10% finance, it's now flipped the other way around. It's 90% finance, 10% houses. So you really need to make sure that you have a, a solid A team around you that is going to help you map out that progress and process to say, what is the next best purchase that's going to allow me to get that next purchase? Um, and those are types of conversations that you're having with your buyer's agent and your and your mortgage broker as well. Um, but what I, I guess, kind of philosophy-wise, talking about those four stages, right? The foundation—that's your education. That's where you're getting there. Accumulation is where you're building up that asset base until you hit that wall, and then acceleration is where you start to turn around and look at that portfolio and see where I can optimize it. So can, should I be doing a renovation on this property now to bring up the equity? Should I be um, doing a subdivision now? You know, these is this is over five, 10, 15, 20 years. So it's not like you need to know how to do it right now, but if you've got something that can be subdivided and split, Awesome! You've already got the value built in, and then the goal is trying to buy that property under market value, so you're not spending a lot of money and paying for the benefit of having a splitter block um, and not doing that um, holding, having a ma- major high uh, holding cost. And then the legacy part is how do I pass this on? Um, and uh, as a part of acceleration, is then how do I cash flow this thing? How do I turn this? Uh, well, actually, that's probably the best way to, to kind of talk about it is really there's there's two resources that in property investing, there is just two resources. There is borrowing power and then there is cash or equity. And those two are never in line. So we never know. They're never equal at any one point in time. So you need to, wh- wherever you are in your journey, is to identify where is your lacking resource? And when I started my po- property portfolio, my lacking resource was um, capital. I didn't have cash or equity. I had a good paying job and I had borrowing capacity, but I didn't have the equity there. So that's why I then used renovation to force the value. So I was able to manufacture that equity and build that base up, um, and buying under market back, uh, you know, under market value, putting sweat equity into them to build that base up until you hit that borrowing capacity wall. That's the way I like to think about it. And yeah. you can start attacking, you can then start attacking the borrowing capacity in a way. That's
0: great. And it's a good way to put it as well. Cause I, I think you commonly see that from a lot of first home buyers or investors starting to be out their portfolios. They lack capital upfront, have the borrowing capacity and then, once they save enough to get in, the, the, flip, the switch almost flips, right? It's, you're mm-hmm. lacking. You've got enough capital, but you're lacking borrowing capacity to get there. Um, pretty interesting way to think about it. Uh, now, if you could go back to young Mr. Tucker, uh, if you mm-hmm. had the opportunity to and sort of talk about building out a portfolio, what would you go back and, and tell yourself if you could? Well, one of the biggest ones
1: was the, I guess, the arrogance to think that you can do it all yourself. That, that this is exactly what you can do. You can go out there and do it all by yourself. You don't need a team. You don't need people. You can just make a pop, property portfolio and go after it. Um, so what I would be telling myself is, hey, join. And this is what I did do at the beginning. I joined a community of people, but I didn't really see the people that were doing what I wanted to do and ask them, how are you doing what you do? Like, that's all I do now is that's why we created Oz Property Investors. You know, we've got 18,000 group uh, members um, and all we do is go to the top experts and ask, how do you do what you do? Because I knew that that was the biggest mistake I took. Um, and then getting educated on how property works, reading all the books, but then also understanding the lending restrictions that are now. You read Steve McKnight's book, you read um, any of the others, it's it's great, but is it today's, is, is it in today's? Um, and then the biggest and biggest, biggest thing is just taking action. You learn, like I did, I've spent probably close to $100,000 on courses and education and, and all of this online, offline, you know, say renovation, development, subdivision, all of that. But what taught me the most was buying a property, renovating it, and then looking at subdivision and how that process works. That's what taught me the most. So it gets to a point where I see people buying courses, paying for courses, going to the event, buying the books, doing the seminar, getting educated. Great. How many properties do you have? Oh yeah. I'm just in the education phase. Oh, how long have you been doing it for? Oh, six years. Fantastic. Right. Okay. Um, the true way to get educated is by yeah. Reading and picking up, um, sorry, not reading. <laughs> that helps <laughs> to a degree uh, and then action, taking action.
0: Yeah, it's um and it's funny with all that money they've contributed towards the, the courses and the books, they probably could have used it as a deposit yeah. <laughs> to get in. But um, <laughs> you're right. I think I do th- I do think education is, is definitely valuable, but um sometimes it's just better to to do by Learn by doing, Uh, even if it, you know, you are going to make some mistakes and, you know, it's inevitable. Everyone sort of makes mistakes along the journey is learn from the mistakes, make sure they're not huge, big financial mistakes, save yourself from that. But everyone's going to make little mistakes (laughs) in the journey and they're the best thing to potentially learn from. And you, yeah, I love what you guys do at OzProp. I think it's a, a great thing. And I think that the most interesting, I mean, and that's kind of what I did earlier on too with, um, you know, an earlier podcast that I did is just talk to everyone about how they did it. The funny thing is, is there's no one answer. Like no one's got, yeah. you know, they're not all saying exactly the same thing of exactly how to do it. Everyone's story is yeah. unique and it was in a different time and they had different techniques and they used different strategies. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, a part of, all of what you were just saying is no one's going to give you the specific answer that's going to work and um, make you a millionaire overnight. You've got to go your own journey, learn your own way through, learn what works for you, what makes you comfortable. Mm, Um, Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Now, you don't have to get into too much extravagant detail about your own sort of personal portfolio, but do you feel like you would made any mistakes along the journey or is there anything that you'd change in your, your portfolio if you could?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest mistake—the biggest mistake I made was my first was my first first purchase. But it was it was really up to before then. Um, what I did is I handed over the keys of my financial future to a buyer's agent, expecting somebody else to care about my money as much as I did. That was the biggest mistake I ever made. Was thinking that this person. Is they got all the flashy marketing? They're the best, you know, best buyers agent in Sydney. They've they they, you know do all this crap. Um, They looked good on on the the internet, and they got all these you know whatever. They're on the media, they're on the news. There's ads everywhere. Um, But it turns out it was just all nonsense. But the biggest learning that I took away from that is I expected. I didn't want to do the education. I didn't want to. I did the education. Don't get me wrong. I Did parts of the education. I jumped right in, like I said, but. I, you need, if you're going to do this journey, no one cares about your money as much as you. So you are the person in the driver's seat. I let the buyer's agent drive. I gave them hundred percent full control. But when you're creating a team of people, you are always in the driver's seat of your financial future. And, um, you've got your buyer's agent in your left-hand side guiding you. You've got your mortgage broker in the back. You've got your accountant in the back and you've got your conveyancer So they're sitting All riding shotgun, but if you expect anyone to care about your money as much as you, you're in. You're in for a bit of a surprise. Um, So really, it was a it was a dud of a property. Like the 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 area was shocking. Um, The property was needed a renovation. I thought it was going to be ten thousand dollars. I ended up spending thirty thousand dollars. After the renovation, it was you know. It was worth less, the same as or less than what I purchased it for after thirty grand. Um, And the main lesson there was, well, two lessons were that uh, that you you shouldn't hand over your keys, but also don't necessarily buy the cheapest property. um, Because I bought it was two hundred eighty thousand. It was one of the cheapest properties that I could buy because I thought I'd dip my toe into property investing, right? But if I bought anywhere else at like $400,000, it would now be worth $750,000, dollars $900,000. But because it's worth $280,000, it's probably worth three hundred and fifty, dollars scraping on four hundred dollars now, when we've just gone through the biggest boom in history. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's one of the biggest mistakes. Those are the two biggest mistakes I made, um, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so- it's, a, it's a good story and it's a good way to put it as well because everyone's got their individual role and, solely by themselves they'll do a good job on their individual role but yeah ultimately you're the one who's driving the car and got to keep everyone accountable so um i think it's a a great experience to share because sometimes a lot of people do come into that well if i'm using a buyer's agent um i'll wipe my hands clean and they can do everything which a good buyer's agent should be able to take care of most of the work for you but ultimately yeah at the end of the day you're you're a controller of the final decision yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's just it's it's just a mental responsibility switch that I needed to take, and it was only that that switch was forced on me when I was walking up the dilapidated steps that I had to spend fifteen grand on. But it is realizing that you're there for make you know you're there to get a great property. They're going to find you. Hopefully, if they're good, they'll find you a great property. But it's don't just fall for the glitz and glamour. Um, there are a lot of great buyers agents out there that that don't do any Facebook marketing and and that kind of stuff. It's all um, they just you know go through referrals and through you know groups and those type of things. So um, don't fall for if they've got a you know a million dollar budget in marketing, it might mean that they're great, or it might be they're a high volume, crazy pumping through a thousand leads in, a thousand properties out. Is that going to be the best way to find the best properties? Probably not. In my yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. right. on. Um, yeah, now, mate, when I met you, you had a pretty cool job. Uh, I'm not going to lie; I'm not going to say what it was, just for I don't know if you got any clauses or anything else that are <laughs> out there. But uh, <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty, pretty funky job and a pretty funky company. Um, yeah. And then I think three months later, you decided to flip the switch and uh, jump out and become a, a buyer's agent. What do you think was that sort of real trigger for you to go, okay? Um, I'm on the ladder, I'm earning a Pagey income, but now I really want to pursue this passion of, of buying property and turn it into a bit of a career.
1: Uh, yeah, of that funky job. Yeah, it was three, three years later I decided, well, not that I decided, but I was there for three years in that fun, funky job. That was cool. Um, so I was the head of sales for Australia's largest legal technology startup. So I won't name the name because I don't know if I'm allowed to. But you could probably find it out pretty quickly. Um, but no, this has all been a part of, Part of my investing journey. Um, So, this was deliberately, this is a deliberate focus of getting and starting this business. Back in 2015, I actually got my real estate license. Um, I I wanted to be a real estate agent, I wanted to invest in property. Um, I went over to the UK and I met my wife's um, uncle, and he was a property investor. He had 18 properties in the UK. He just managed all of them himself, and that was what he did all day. Um, didn't really do it all day because every second week they'd be going off on holiday, living the dream. So I'm like, Hey, what? So I just asked him all the questions and got super excited. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to come back to Australia. I'm going to become a real estate agent because real estate agents, they hold the investing keys. They own their keys to the house. Um, and then turns out that property uh, property agents, you know, real estate agents have no idea about property investing. They know houses, but they don't know about property investing. So, um, I realized that they only have a small salary, right? They get $60,000 a year, something like that. Then they get big commission. So it means that you can't actually borrow to buy property. Um, So I completely kind of shifted that around to, okay, well, I need to maximize borrowing capacity. I need to get a lot of borrowing capacity. So I went into tech sales um, and fell down that path and, and built up to, yeah, head of sales of largest legal tech company. What then happened was as I was building out my portfolio, um, I started to max out my borrowing capacity exactly like what you were saying, exactly like what we're saying this day and age. Um, so if I wanted to continue, I would optimize my loan. So I would speak to investment savvy mortgage broker and um, we've got a, we've got a lot of them in the group. They can help you identify where you need to go, how you're going to get there and all that fun stuff and structuring the mortgages so that you do this one, this one, this one with a third tier, second tier, but eventually you will get tapped out. So the only way that you can continue to buy property after a certain amount of money is one, make more money. So get a better job, get a better salary, uh, and that will increase your borrowing capacity. And then two is um, uh, start a business, own and own a business that generates a large amount of income. So you can then re-leverage through the business to be able to purchase property. So as a part of this, we created Oz Property Investors about two and a bit years ago. Um, This has always been the case. I was always going to be a property buyer's agent because I wanted to tap out on borrowing capacity in my property portfolio, which is exactly what I did working at that previous company. I got all the equity and value out of my portfolio that I could, and then transitioned into business where I will be able to borrow and buy more property. It's the only way that you can do it this day and age is to get a new salary, get paid more, um, or start something on the side that's going to give you more income and grow
0: the portfolio like that. Yeah. Nice. It's a a cracking way to put it because um, it's very true. If you want to and we were just talking briefly off the air, but if you want to continue yeah. putting out the portfolio, you have to make a change. It's, there's only so much you can borrow on a page income. Um, and, you know, as soon as you start to get to high levels in, you know, six figures, six figures plus, it's it's it doesn't become as easy to start gaining a lot more unless you get into a much bigger role. So you do have to find either a, a second path of income or, as you say, take take the plunge, step out and, um hopefully generate some more income through your own business. So that's yeah. awesome.
1: And actually on that, like a good point that I'd like to raise is I'm, we're all driving a vehicle, right? We're all driving our investment vehicle. For me, I like to accelerate my vehicle. So I put rocket boosters on and I do renovation, I do subdivision, I do splitter blocks. I do that to accelerate myself through the journey because I have an end goal that is rather large that I want to get to and um, and I want to help as many people get to their end goal as well but with a normal everyday job you can build a sustainable portfolio but it is going to be over a longer period of time it's going to take a little bit longer if you're not willing to do those extra value-added things and grow Uh, like do a subdivision, do a renovation. If you just buy the end product, you're going to have to go through organic growth to do that. Not saying that that's a bad thing to do because you're a doctor, you're busy, you haven't got time to do those type of things. That's absolutely fine. But it's just acknowledging that it's going to take a longer window. For me, I want to accelerate incredibly quickly. So um, I've tapped out my borrowing capacity. Now I'm starting a business and that's going to allow, allow me to continue doing that. But it's not to say that a sustainable portfolio a substantial portfolio can't be built in 20 30 years by a more slow steady as she goes approach
0: yeah i think it just depends on how proactive you want to be around building out your own portfolio as you said if you're you know if you're a busy working professional that's paying you good income you're better off spending your time doing that than taking two or three weeks off and doing a renovation right um so it just depends yeah. how, how, how proactive you want to be uh, along the journey um, yeah, no, mate. There's a there's a thousand and one of them out there. But if you had, uh, and you probably hear a fair few of them with all the guests you get on to uh, Oz Prop, But if you had one favourite property one liner, what would it be? I
1: don't know. I like you, I, we talked about this question. I'm like, I don't uh, property one liners. Like, what's a good pro, Like, what's a good property one liner? Because I actually don't have a property one. I don't
0: know. Property is a game of finance, or um, yeah, I don't know. everyone's got some a classic. Some, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, you know
1: what I mean. My my one is just a little bit of a different attitude around money. Um, like I I grew up in a very uh, like a, just a normal normal household, but we didn't have much money at all. Um, it didn't feel like that when we were growing up, which was really nice. Mum did a lot of effort and made that great. Um, but people that say money doesn't matter and money isn't important are just. Kidding themselves. So uh, the quote that I like is, "Money doesn't solve all your problems, but it does solve your money problems." So all the other problems are still going to be there, but you're not going to have those money problems as much as uh, as much as you as much as you think. So you can do other things and go out there and you know take some time off if you want to go on a holiday or if you want to do what Steve Pelosi doesn't live on the other side of the world. Like you can do, <laughs> you can do you've got optionality. Um, so it's really just um, thinking. Money doesn't solve all your problems. Money isn't the root of all evil. Like it is something that is going, there's a vehicle that allows you to buy your time back to be able to do those things. So money's the vehicle that allows you to buy your time back. Maybe that's my quote of the, maybe that's my quote. I don't know. Uh,
0: (laughs) Time is our uh, only true currency. So I couldn't, couldn't agree more, mate. Well. uh, Yeah, than crypto. (laughs) kidding. yeah, where is crypto these days? I think it, I think it don't look took a crash last time I saw. Um, this is
1: yeah one one thing. Stick to your lane. <laughs> if you come to me and talk about property, I will tell you the best player. Like our, our saying is, "Buy the best property in the best location at the best price for the buyer brief." Because the buyer brief is what paints the picture of what's the best property in the best location at the best price. But do not come to me for crypto or share advice because, uh, and that's that's kind of like when you build your team out, you go to your mortgage broker and you ask them about structuring. That, that That's not their thing. They can talk to you about lending within the structuring, but you go to your buyer's agent and talk about um, buying property. Um, I had a mortgage broker say, hey, this property is not a good one. And I was like, well, what do you know about the area? And why is it not a good one? And um and then he completely changes his mind. So um, yeah, stick stick your experts to their lane. Let them be in their seats, and then talk to them about that. But make sure they're all kind of in in connection with each other and talking to each other. Um, so they all know about each other and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is probably one of the longer podcasts you've had. I reckon.
0: Ah, it's <laughs> good. I love it. <laughs> a love be short. <laughs> a bit of a chit chat. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's you know, go go to your specific person for specific advice. If you if you're after property. Go to a property professional. If you're after Bitcoin, then go on Twitter or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah. mate, it's always a pleasure having a chat. I'll, uh, I'll love to get you back on at some point. I might write up a new set of questions and uh, get you back on and have a bit of a, a yarn. But uh, thanks for coming on today. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Jordan. Always a pleasure. Stay well, guys. See you later.
0: Talk to you soon.